Driving it home with Patty Vasquez, Patty Vasquez. From global conflicts to greenhouse gases, the folks refusing to wear masks says, and politicians getting caught grabbing asses says, she's driving it home with Patty Vasquez. Happy Tuesday. Uh, I'm a, I'm kind of in a decent mood. I'm, I wouldn't. It's neither good nor bad. Uh, decent. I was a little bit of sunshine today, so I decided to go for a walk during my lunch break, and it was just nice to get a little bit of a little bit of sunshine. I need that. And, uh, and then I learned that uh, I, I'm curious how you guys feel. I learned that uh, Vice President Pence and his attorney uh, discovered. Over a dozen, at least a dozen documents in his uh, in his possession. Now, after Donald Trump uh, was uh, the FBI uh, executed a search warrant on his premises and found uh, numerous documents. Vice President Mike Pence was interviewed on 60 Minutes and he was asked, do you have any classified documents to which he responded? No. I do not. Now, this seems to be the same as uh, with President Biden's situation in that they came forward and say, hey, hey, just not for nothing, but we got a couple of papers here that uh, don't seem to belong to us. Maybe we uh, by accident, they got uh, shuffled on the move. So uh, now I'm wondering if there's going to be a call for all former uh, executive branch members, former executive branch members, vice presidents and presidents to uh, do a little search on their own or to be uh, somewhat investigated. I don't know. This uh, now, th- now we have three. Uh, it wasn't great at all when uh, President Trump, um, when it was discovered President Trump had numerous documents. And the difference is there that the National Archives knew that he had them and he denied it. And uh, they signed an affidavit saying that there was nothing else. They've, they turned over everything that needed to be turned over. And that, and then all kinds of lies about, uh, well, the FBI planted them or uh, because uh, I, you know, I tapped them on my head, I declassified them on my way from the Oval to the residence of the White House. Uh, so there was all kinds of, uh, you know, little flashy, little shiny objects to, to just sort of go, well, no, 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 look over here. There's nothing, nothing to see over here. Uh, not great that uh, President Biden... Uh, also discovered documents in his home, some of which were in his garage behind his Corvette, all kinds of, uh, you know, shenanigans. Uh, and now, so I'm wondering, how do you feel? What are your thoughts today? And for those of the, you know, we know we have uh, some hate listeners. Uh, does this do anything? Because we have a guy um, on our Facebook page, the Patty Vasquez Show page, who no matter what we post is always going to say something about, President Biden, something negative. So, uh, you know, if we post something about Monaco Brewing having an event, they're like, what do you, how do you feel now about President Biden? You, you all, you're all hypocrites. Okay. Now, we, I mean, is this a tit for tat? Is it okay? Now there are two Republicans and only one Democrat. Is it that uh, Democrats should be held to a higher standard, a uh, different standard, or see he's a liar too? I don't know. What, 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 so how does this, how does, how does this resolve in, uh, in people's minds? Uh, what, do, how do you uh, manage the, uh, the information. Uh, do you care? Maybe you don't care at all. Maybe now that it's three, it's like, okay. Uh, I heard someone, uh, some conservative say today, well, maybe we're just over-classifying or over, yeah, over-classifying documents. Maybe this is a problem of, of how documents are, are uh, labeled so that I guess that's supposed to absolve uh, everybody. I mean, it, it's hard, right? Because Republicans are not going to want to say anything that's going to absolve President Biden for having any documents. Um, and again, President Biden, pres- vice, former Vice President Mike Pence, both 
offered, willingly volunteered the information and the documents. I do hope that uh, that uh, Merrick Garland does assign a special investigation, just as he did special counsel, as he did with President Biden's situation. Because now, if we're going to do this, let's let's go. Uh, <laughs> open the floodgates. Let's see what you got. So, what uh, what's on your mind? What do you what are your thoughts on? Uh, on the new information that former Vice President Mike Pence also has at least a dozen classified documents in his possession. What? Um, also want to remind folks, again, we'll be giving away uh, some, some more tickets today. I got to find out how many we have left. But we have a few passes left, a few tickets left for you to join us at the WCPT Chicago Mayoral Forum this Thursday, January 26th at... Morningstar Art Auditorium. The doors are going to open at 1030. We're having lunch at 11 and then the event starts at noon. And uh, we think we'll be going for about at least two, two and a half hours. Also, for those of you who can't join us in person, we will be we will be broadcasting right here, of course, on WCPT. Terry Ryder will be here holding down the fort. So we're excited about that. And we just heard learned, as uh, Tim Hogan told us yesterday, that uh, David Axelrod will be a part of the broadcast, uh, possibly former Governor uh, Pat Quinn. So a lot of people getting involved in this. There's a, a more conversation, of course, to be <laughs> until I'm guessing the runoff. We're going to be talking a lot about this race. And don't forget that the other important thing that we've been talking about are the election races. Uh, the Supreme Court race in Wisconsin is, I believe, one of the most important races in the country. I know that for us, of course, choosing the next leader of our city, uh, figuring out who will lead our communities in the aldermanic level, all the different races in Chicago, obviously very important. But when it comes to the uh, the ability for folks to have their autonomy in Wisconsin, whether it's uh, access to voting, uh, access to the full range of health care, regardless of why you need it, uh, is, is crucial um, because it does have an effect on neighboring states. Uh, and we do need to keep having the conversation federally. There needs to be a federal solution for gun legislation, for gun control. Yeah, I'm going to say it. I'm so tired of like having, don't say gun control. That makes, you know, that makes the, the people that, that really favor guns and like guns and make, it makes them think that you're coming for all their guns. We're not coming for all your guns, but we should have some control over it. We have control over so many other things in our, I mean, we don't have control over everything, but this is something we can do. Um, so that we need, uh, we also need a federal solution to uh, protect the reproductive rights of all. Uh, as we heard yesterday, again, Tim Hogan let us know from our our, uh, our executive director, editor in chief of the Heartland Signal newsroom, that Jim Banks from Indiana wants to pro pro prohibit girls and women from crossing state lines in order to have their own autonomy over their bodies. They, they should not be allowed to leave. We are, I mean. And how are you going to manage that? Just women can't drive anymore. Women of of uh, childbearing age can no longer drive outside of the state. You need to know why you're traveling, what you did. Or, again, it's going to be the same thing. We put bounties on people's heads like they're doing in Texas. If you gave someone a ride or you've turned them over, if you if you report that someone has left the state to have an abortion, they're going to be able to go through, I'm guessing, going to be able to go through your documents, through your emails, through your phone, in order to discover whether or not you are managing your own body uh let's go first well, let's see what you, what's on judy's mind judy what's on your mind and niles my friend hi well uh, our elections are coming up I, I think it's april 4th or 5th and once the chicago stuff is out of the way i was hoping 
that some of them that are running for trustee uh, might call in or or go sure. in. Sure, I could I can reach out to the Niles trustee, the candidates for Niles trustees. Yeah, well, the the reason that I got involved that I I heard a couple of years ago that they didn't want to have any um, foreign language books there, and I thought, well, that's silly. It could have a shelf or two for foreign language. Why not? And they they said, well, they just let them learn English. And, I, and that's oh my god, bad. who I who know. who said this? I need names. You, you need names? Okay, a man named I, uh, Dubiel. Dubiel, okay. Dubiel, yes. And okay. I know that the Republicans are playing a really long game here. They want to get on school boards and mm-hmm. they want to get in libraries. And they want to take them apart. Now, there is a, a I had, this is one thing we did manage to do on the computer. <laughs> we ran off, save nileslibrary.org you read it it's several pages long but it, it it names names it tells the brief history um tells about what niles is consists of and um it and the the lady who used to live next door to me it is no surprise that she's a cuckoo <laughs> she got herself <laughs> well she's got herself board president right now Oh, dear. She worked her way up. And the first time around when she lived here, we thought, okay, let her be on the library board because maybe she'll have something else to do besides being annoying here. Wow. (laughs) But the second time around, we found out she's actually dangerous. She, it looks like she may have been recruited by someone. If you want another name, his name is Makula. Mikula, okay. Yeah, a man named Mikula lives right on Harlem, right one block past Oakton North. And we always laugh because we look at who's got, he's got all over his lawn. He has a thousand signs, and we said, anybody who's on Mikula's lawn, don't vote for, because <laughs> he's got them all from Trump all the way down to. The local people. Right. So folks who don't know, haven't uh, made a decision on an election, just go over to that lawn yeah, and just vote the opposite. And, and write down <laughs> it and vote for whoever's running against those people. Because, That's funny. Uh, well, and apparently some of these people are staunch Trump rep- uh, supporters. And uh, that's what they're they, but, you know, they're they're smart. They're getting on school boards and they're getting in libraries. And to take them apart. And, I, and do you think, and, and I think uh, uh, this is another conversation to have, it, you know, the fact that we have not done more to prosecute, I mean, not more, but it hasn't been, uh, it hasn't been swift enough in terms of prosecuting former former President Trump that, enab- I mean, it enables and emboldens people, right, without any repercussions. Because if you're, if you support Trump, you're an election denier, right? I mean, that's that's just the bottom line. And you don't believe in our system, in our institutions, uh, in your neighbors' uh, ability and uh, right to vote and voice your opinion, right? Yeah. That's where I'm at. Exactly what's going on. And I, I always suspected it could be, there could be more organization behind it. Uh, and that, that's the lady, I think I've mentioned it. She called the police at us about 
we were putting snow on her side. (laughs) (laughs) I gotcha. Yeah. Well, and this goes to, you know, I I wanted to have a conversation about this at some point again. Uh, You know, one of our listeners and and a friend and neighbor uh, called in, had said that they used to listen to a lot of right wing stuff and and appealed to them because what they're very good at is making everything that's wrong in your life somebody else's fault. If there's something that you don't have, it's because of the black people. Or if you don't, you know, if you're not happy, it's because women are killing, uh, you know, this Maybe. <laughs> yeah right it, all the things that are wrong in your life are because of the commies and the socialists the pinkos uh all these people that are you know oh, people who are gay or men who dress like women and women who dress like men these are all you know aberrations to society and and it's the downfall of our civilization and i'm just it, it spreads like a virus it's a it's a hatred that that spreads like a virus and i've i've asked conservatives to to tell me you know i mean we have all the audio we got everything fine something that sounds like I, I want to diminish the respect and dignity of human beings. What I'm calling for when I sound angry, it's because people really are attacking individuals, their liberty and their safety. And I just don't have any that. That's what I don't have tolerance for. Well, the things that they want to cut, I think they they talk this lady into doing it. My former neighbor Sure. Because she bought she bought this house. There was only her and her daughter when she bought it. And she bought a corner house that, as you know, has higher taxes. Yeah. And she did nothing but complain about taxes. So <laughs> that right. was their in. They found out that she had a bug up a butt about taxes. Oh, sorry. But I think I can say all those words. Oh no. Judy said bug up her butt. Where do we do we push the <laughs> do we push the button, Lady B? Yes. <laughs> Anyway, this is what they this is what they want to cut the children's librarians visiting schools and preschools. They want to cut children's librarians working with the teachers to pull materials for them, outreach yep. assistants delivering materials to homebound. Yeah, I mean, no, it's this is what they want to cut out. Uh, yeah, like you said, they, I know, I know. <laughs> I it's ridiculous, and I think the smaller we have two libraries actually, and the little smaller one I think has a roof leak. That they don't want to fix. Right, because if people have information, it's going to drive up your property taxes. It makes complete sense to me, Judy. I've got to, I've got to uh, take a break here, Judy, and, uh, and we also have a guest I, coming. I it's, think of that was no, I, it's, I, I also called the journal and talked to a man named Tom Robb over there. He has all this background information. Okay. If you need any. All right. I will take and, a look, and I've, uh, I've written down the uh, net, uh, SaveNilesLibrary.org, yeah, and I will oh, look into it. Unbelievable. I know. And yet, and yet here we are. Somehow it's happening. I've got to run, Judy. Thanks so much for calling. Let's take a break here. Come back in just a moment with some more of your calls. And uh, and we have a guest coming in studio as well, one of the Aldermanic candidates. Around the town, Chicago, with Al Besslaw. I want to give away some stuff. And some of these things I'm going to give away, you don't even have to answer a question. So all you have to do is call. For the magic of the Nutcracker, four tickets. All you have to do is say, crack my nuts. <laughs> okay. <laughs> Where did you come up with that? I don't know. I just felt like saying something silly. Yeah. Okay. Sunday afternoons at 2 on WCPT 820. Chicago's Progressive Talk, WCPT 820, where facts matter. Patty Vasquez is taking your calls now at 773-763-9278. Driving it home with Patty Vasquez now on WCPT 820. 
We've been talking about some of the uh, top news stories and, of course, uh, the discovery that, well, the information from former Vice President Pence that he also has documents is fascinating. Hey, Dave, what's on your mind in Hoffman Estates? Hey, Patty. Yeah, with that, with this uh, Pence's, like you say, with the, these 12 <laughs> classified documents that they found at his home now and that. And so, like you say, uh, Republicans too, Dan Vaughn, but... I mean, what is it? These people are taking this stuff home like it's a homework for school. It's like, uh, yeah, you know, I guess, you know, these. I'm just kind of curious, you know, these pages or aides that I suppose and they're cleaning out these offices or something like that. They just throwing them in the boxes. I, you know, I don't know how. Well, but, uh, I think in this interview with 60 Minutes, he even said there's no reason to, to take the documents with you. Yeah. Yeah. Well, I know. You know, do as I say, don't do as I do, I guess. Yeah. But, uh, but I'm... Um, Aren't they even, as we've seen when Trump had them all splayed out on the floor, they're in a different colored file, you know, file holders and stuff like that. And uh, and I'm quite sure these aides or pages, whoever are cleaning the stuff, you know, you know, when they're moving, I'm quite sure they don't have top secret uh, clearances and stuff. Right. Yeah, exactly. You know? That's another. That's Yeah. That's that's what's so strange is to say that it was, you know, maybe the sort of uh, cavalier way in which aides are packing things up. And you're like, well, then why are they touching those? And why why did any of them go, hey, should we leave these? Are we supposed to have these? They seem important. Yeah. yeah. And, you know, and then, um, of course, now he said he had no knowledge, but yet about a week and a half or so ago when, when President Biden, you know, mentioned about the stuff that he had as a vice president already. That you know that he really had no knowledge, so called, and uh, and then they're saying that well, he couldn't declassify because he was vice president, even though that law had got changed, I believe, under President Obama. But they kept you know crowing that oh, he, he was vice president, he was, broke the law, you know, he couldn't declassify, you know, and stuff like that. Well, Prince was only a vice president. Did he kind of use some of Donald's telepathy and uh, declassifying it? Yeah, no, it's, it's surreal. I, I'm looking at texts. Uh, someone texted uh, earlier, thank the universe for Pence. It, it it certainly, you know, we did need a little bit of a balance. The teeter-totter was uh, on the ground for a while. We were up in the air going, let me down! Okay, now we're back. <laughs> but, you know, maybe not are going to, like you were talking earlier, somebody was talking earlier about they're going to have to go backtracking. <laughs> what about maybe Al Gore now? <laughs> they might find that his home. Yeah, I'm telling you, like, just and, uh, just go ahead and like open the doors, have the FBI go in, and then take a look at uh, their properties. I have no problem with that. Yeah, and so you can get to other real quick. Don't forget when a lot of this crap all started back oh ten years or so ago, when former CIA director David Petraeus. Yeah, and he lied. He lied to the. To the FBI, I got no more, none of these files. And at that, that time, he brought them for his concubine at the time, and uh, that uh, for her book, remember? Yeah. And and the FBI went to his place, and then up in his attic, stuffed under some junk, they found six files. And guess what he got for that? What did he get? I forgot. Two years, two years probation and a $100,000 fine. Well, that's what you can probably expect Trump and Biden will end up getting. Well, let's see what happens. You know? Thank, thanks for calling, Dave. Yeah. All right. Be well. You too. Thank you. Thank you. Jim, what's on your mind? Hi, Terry. We, I'm going to organize a scavenger hunt. To, uh, <laughs> I, I think that George Washington's got some papers up there we haven't found yet. <laughs> but I, anyway, uh, and it was a great movie. Max and William Schell, uh, one of my favorite actors, called The House. 
Anyway, he's get hired as a controller. He goes to he, he was in Russia. He goes to the Russian castle and he's supposed to look for the documents. And then he goes, well, where are they? And he goes, they point out to like about 100, 200 yards. There's this gigantic barn, you know, it's like 10 stories. He opens the door, the papers come flying out of it. He goes inside, the papers are stacked in the ceiling. Uh, anyway, I, I knew this was a tempest in a teapot anyway. Yeah. But, uh, and the other thing I was going to do, what's an interesting story, was down in Georgia. And Trump got away with murder again down there because they wouldn't disclose the prosecution's uh, finality on that interfering with the election. Right. I mean, it was just, it was, it was left in limbo, complete limbo. Yeah. He's the only individual, he's the only individual I've ever heard of that could be in limbo in every legal case from here until he finally yeah. takes the bucket. Yeah, for decades, it sounds like, whether it's, uh, you know, yeah, yeah. Whatever, whatever case it is. I don't care what it is, rape. Right, taxes. Uh, thievery, yep. Rape, thievery, uh, chicanery, uh, insurrections, you name it. But they can't seem to get him in court and get a final decision on him. I know. Which is amazing to me. But as far as this one goes, uh, the reality of this thing is they should have some high-paid person. They could hire me. I could figure out. Even I can figure that out. All right, let's see. This is classified. This isn't classified. This is classified. This is, in other words... Nobody should leave the building when he comes right up. <laughs> I mean, it's pretty obvious. You know right. what I mean? Right. They, they can hire somebody. We spend a lot of dull, uh, uh, trivial things. He gets, they can hire somebody to, to look over, you know, say, okay, you're the skip. Apparently, they go into a skip instead. Right. Uh, to, to look at the doc. They're not supposed to take anything out of the skiff. Right. You know, you can't, no, but but if somebody finally takes stuff out of the skip because the skip doesn't stay there. For eternity, I mean, somebody's got to go in the skip and, and and go through it. Whoever's doing that is falling down the job. That's what I have to say, Patty. All right, and, uh, thank you so much. But you know what's crazy? What, you, oh. what else is crazy? The way the story you got so many legs on it. It yeah. got such legs on it all weekend long. You know, uh, Channel Seven. Why has he got the papers? Why has he got the papers? My brother about a week ago. Yeah, they pretty good business. He was saying, for crazy, he goes, papers. I go, that ain't crazy. Goes, you know, I mean, it, it, it just shows you, well, it's an election year. You got two years. So anything, you know, tip the balance. Anyway, thanks, Patty. Take care. All right. Take care, Jim. Wow, people are fired up about these papers. What are you fired up about today, Ted? Hey, Ted. Hey, Patty. How are you doing? I'm good. Uh, yeah, so I'm, I guess my... Good, good. That's good. Hey, I guess I would say to the last three callers, now I'm 64 years old. I hope that they can live without their Social Security because they're talking about all kinds of different issues. Now, I, gratefully, by the will of God, my wife and I, you know, it's not all I have, but by the principle of it, having earned it my whole life, almost yeah. 80% of it as an independent contractor, you know, I wonder if they're, if they're, you know, they're talking about everything else. If they're retired people who get Social Security, I would hope they're thinking about that. And in that regard, Patty, I guess, you know, my mission is to try to get people to understand the big difference between public pension retirements and Social Security. You know, the meager, the Social Security, you know, less than 2000 a month, uh, you know, for your full, I mean, if you take it less than your full retirement. But in any event, I'm wondering if you'd be willing, because from what you say, I understand you're a, an employee for the, the county, and the surely yeah. your carrot when you when you go to work every day for your family and you work hard and you support your family and then I don't 
you know, uh, my my point is, yeah, I'm wondering if you would be willing to reveal to some of the pe- you know, to the people, some of the things you are looking forward to in your retirement, and they would see the stark contrast between what they, uh, you know, get in Social Security and what you're hoping for in a public pension retirement. And my Hold point on. is, can I, can I, no can I, 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 I feel like you're, 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 I guess, uh, let, let me give let, you my tag. My tag is there should be no cuts about, uh, there should be no talk about cuts in Social Security and Medicare without cuts uh, in public pension. I don't right. think there should be cuts in either. Uh, now, to, now to your point, I'm, I'm, hold on a second, Ted. Ted, are you going to, Ted, you put a lot out there and put a lot on me. Like, if you're talking about everything else, that's one thing. But if you want to know about me personally, I'm 51 years old and I have had a public job for only less than three years. I don't know that I'll be there. This is a job that I love right now. But I'm, I've been an independent contractor. I have, I've been trying to save some of my own money uh, for the last 30 years. And you're right. It's not easy. I have a son who is severely disabled. So a lot of what I do is to make sure that his life is going to be better when I'm gone and that someone loves him yeah. as much as I do. So I don't know why you threw me in there, but you pushed a button that I'm not really crazy about having to be ex- like, that, it was weird that you did that. Good. It's an assumption that you made. And it's, and again, for anybody who works and, and is on a pension, whether it's a public pension or a union pension or whatever their job is, you're, you're pitting people yeah. against each other. And that's not necessary. Uh, I, I, you know, I, I believe in protecting social security and Medicare and making sure that people are happy, healthy and safe. So, yeah, thanks, Ted. Have a good day. More after this on WCPT. This is WCPT 820. Listen in Chicago on 820 AM or stream us live on WCPT820.com. The TuneIn Radio app or tell Alexa or Google to play WCPT. Because facts matter. You're listening to WCPT 820. This is Kirk Bankstead from the Minocqua Brewing Company, and I sell progressive beer like AOC IPA and Bernie Brew, a lovingly irascible Democratic Socialist lager. A percentage of the proceeds of every beer I sell goes to helping keep Wisconsin blue and driving the Trump cult out of our state. Enjoy a great craft beer and help your dysfunctional neighbor to the north get its democracy back. Now available at Arminetti Wine and Spirits in Woodstock, Illinois, and Famous Liquors in Lombard, as well as in Chicago at A&S Wine and Spirits, Back of the Yards, and Grand Western Liquors, Ukrainian Village. Please drink responsibly. You're listening to Driving It Home with Patty Vasquez on WCPT 820. So as we've been uh, talking about the mayoral forum we have coming up on Thursday, January 26th, live will be broadcast here at noon. Uh, doors open at 1030. There'll be lunch at 11 if you're able to join us. We have a pair of tickets to give away. Let's, Lady B, let's do caller number three for a pair of tickets to uh, join us for the mayoral forum. Caller number three, uh, give us a call for your chance to win a pair of tickets for the mayoral forum January 26th at Morningstar Auditorium. And that, you know, is, is uh, a lot of folks, I'm trying to figure out if people are excited and motivated by the mayoral race because it's going to have an impact on all our aldermanic races. Earlier today, uh, you know, Tom Hartman was talking about the impact of local races and, you know, maybe at the federal level it have an impact on your life day to day, maybe at the state level, but definitely at the city level in your communities, the people who make sure that your streets are paved and that your rights are protected. We have in studio with us the candidate for 48th Ward aldermanic seat is Andre Pellicor. 
Quinn. And uh, thank you so much for joining us today. Patty, thank you so much for allowing me to be here. It's just a pleasure to A, see you again, and B, just be in studios for the first time and, uh, since the college days. So <laughs> be easy on me now. Where'd you go to college? I went to college out in uh, California and also grew up out there. Okay. California State University, Chico. Shout out Wildcats. Um, we, uh, but moving, I moved to Chicago in about 2010 11 mm-hmm. uh, for a program here uh, for AmeriCorps called City Year Chicago. That's in the, uh, that's p- placing an adult. And yes, maybe uh, 22, 24-year-old, we consider adults. Sure, so, of um, course. Put, put an extra adult in the classroom. Um, I did have an opportunity to serve out on the far west side of Chicago. Um, shout out to the Austin neighborhood. Mm-hmm. Um, and uh, just been, you know, whether it's in education or whether it's um, just being involved in the community, no matter what I do in my professional life, my personal life, it's always just being able to give back one way or another or help connect people to where they need to be. And did you, uh, you know, did you have a choice in where you were placed with this uh, with this organization? Did you choose Chicago? It, that program, and I don't know how much they've grown over the years, but um, I specifically chose Chicago mm-hmm. because, um, first off, you know, it was the era of uh, our President Barack Obama just got a elected in 2008. I graduated from college in 09, so had that kind of momentum of, wow, I'm going to go to the city that our, our president's from. Um, did, did have an opportunity to uh, uh, live in Chicago and uh, just had that wanderlust to basically get outside my comfort zone um, and serve our community and I've never left, I'm, and I'm never going to leave Chicago. Wow. This is this is my hometown, and I <laughs> consider it my adopted uh, my adopted hometown now. Well, and you and you mentioned uh, as we were coming in that uh, that your wife is is from Woodstock. Yeah, my wife and partner Hannah. She is uh, originally from uh, Woodstock or Harvard, Illinois. Mm-hmm. If you know where that is or don't know where that is, <laughs> it's uh, deep McHenry County. You can actually walk to the um, uh, Wisconsin state line from there, uh, Northwest Metro train at the very end. So. Yeah. Really cool. If you've ever seen the movie um, Groundhog Day, that's the downtown, uh, the opera house down there. Picturesque, cute little, you know, downtown square. That's where I'm hoping to. I, so we've done two comedy festivals in mm-hmm. Woodstock, and I love that community. And uh, I have, I'm hoping that someday I'll, t- I'll record my uh, my comedy special at the opera house because it's a, it's a really fun, yeah. it's a beautiful venue. And if you are a... Um, uh, a Groundhog Day super fan. There's actually a plaque right where uh, I want to say um, Phil. Phil, I forget his name, but uh, Puxatani Phil. Puxatani Phil, <laughs> <laughs> where the guy steps into the uh, puddle in the. Uh, oh in, yeah, in, Steve Toboski. Yes. Steve. <laughs> Ned, needle nose Ned. I'm sorry, I've never seen the movie. Uh, <laughs> I've also stayed at the Cherry Tree Blossom Inn. But, it's a very cool. It's a really yeah. cool area. And so, how does how, you know when you're running for office, your spouse is running for office too? How is Hannah de- dealing with it? That's a really good question, and I got to be um, very PC here because she's probably listening in. Uh-huh. <laughs> Love you. Um, and no, I absolutely would not have uh, been running for office had it yeah. not been get the full full buy in from your partner. And that's just not on on my end. That's any candidate should be able to, should be doing that that too. So you want that person to be there uh, when the day is done and over with after working from 7 a.m. to 9 p.m. at night, you know, to be able to 
um, you know, just be that little sense of sanity in the end of the day. What would you say? Let's let's start with uh, what, you know how you uh, got involved because I know I I met you uh, on a rooftop celebrating after the elections in November. Uh, our good friend Maggie O'Keefe, the committee woman for the 40th Ward, uh, we were celebrating some of the races. I was out uh, campaigning for several judges, including um, uh, Rochford uh, Justice Ro- Judge Rochford, now uh, Justice mm-hmm. uh, Supreme Court, mm-hmm. and um, and um, Mary Kay O'Brien, and also uh, Chris Kennedy, who was running for the appellate court. Uh, I believe that's anyway. We were out in Lake County. Yeah. And it was great to celebrate with her. What race? What what got you involved in <laughs> of all things Chicago politics? And you and Maggie worked really hard up in those races too, and it was a great. You know, great thing that we got th- those folks in the office so um, and to be able to, you know, the judicial branch, um, especially it gets so overlooked in our by our voter base yeah. um, where we always think about the president, the Congress. And, you know, some people don't even know who their state representative or their alderman is. So yeah. um, you got to hold these people accountable as well as make sure that not just the legislative branch, but we have people in the ju- judicial side as well that, um you know, are are fair, balanced, and they're going to you know, represent us all. Exactly. And so, uh, the decision to jump into this race—have you been thinking about running for alderman for a while? Um, I have not. Um, I'm always trying to serve one way or the no- another. I can never get away from politics, just uh-huh. because I think it's so intertwined and ingrained in what we do on an everyday basis. Uh, the aldermanic level and. For those that are listening that don't know what that term is, it's basically just city councilor. Right. Um, it, the lower the level of government we are at, that affects us uh, even more so. Um, so while we all know our you know, Congress people and the president and senators, it's um, when you are having trouble um, getting a business license uh, here at the or just opening a business or is, you know, walking down the street and you trip over a sidewalk. Uh, or the quality of the your your local park if there's trash everywhere where are you going to go you're going to call your alderman's office um and it's really uh, what i've seen over the years in the 48th ward at least is we've had a great um track record of having both progressive but also practical uh, leadership mm-hmm. and that's been the tradition of the 48th ward uh, which is if you don't know where that is folks that's um edgewater uptown and andersonville far north side on the lakefront so um, really, with the announcement of our current alder person, Harry Osterman, uh, uh, retiring, mm-hmm. um, first off, it came as a surprise, but also, um, hey, he's served our community for many years, and um, he deserves retirement. <laughs> um, but, you know, I think our race today, it's great to be able to see so many dedicated people show up and say, I want to serve. Mm-hmm. We we do have 10 people in our race. It's a little crowded. Whoa! Okay. <laughs> but, um uh, you know, this is the, a great opportunity for our neighborhoods to say, uh, to first off, uh, kind of reevaluate, see what do we want as a neighborhood. Uh, uh, you know, there's so many different people that are ready to step up to the plate. And um, uh, lo- luckily in our race, too, uh, it's been we've had a couple of forums already. So it's really nice to see how many people show up. Our last one at the uh, Broadway Armory, I'd call that maybe the... Uh, the big one that was put on by Chambers of Commerce as well as um, the local block clubs. And we, I just did a random head count. I'm like, there's got to be 600 plus people Whoa, here. So we are not a enough. quiet neighbor ward. So sure. whoever the next older person is, and I hope that's me, uh, we, we will have a constituency that um, 
wants to be heard. Yeah, no doubt about it. Yeah, that's great that folks are showing up and, and want to hear more about what your platform is. You know, when uh, when folks uh, put together their messaging, you know, when you first start out, uh, when did you you decided after Osterman decided he would not be seeking reelection? Yeah, um, I think that was in about July. But um, you know, whether it's serving uh, in in public office, which uh, before my uh, current career, I have, uh, which is a real estate agent um, and helping families buy or sell a home or you know, navigate that kind of very um, tricky process on which, you know, the 50 steps to how to sell a home sure. or either, even buy. I know it can get a little nitty gritty, but um, even before being a realtor, I uh, I was able to, uh, my career before was uh, campaign politics itself. So, um, you know, been able to help those folks that I believe can make true change and be practical progressives on uh, the issues such as, you know, then Senator, well, she was, a, she, we, we tried, we got her into office in 2012 for uh-huh. Congress, uh, Tammy Duckworth. Oh, great. And um, that'd yeah. be a great campaign yeah. to work on. It was, it was the kind of, uh, after the city year program, it was really a, being a field organizer in the, the trenches, as you may say. And yeah. um, it was really just a, uh, Tammy's great. So yeah. she's served Illinois very well, and um, I hope nothing but the best for her. And so once you decided, I mean, you know, uh, I've talked to a few yeah. candidates, and I what I tell them, uh, this, your race might be a little bit different because there is no incumbent. So you have an open field. You don't necessarily have someone that comes in heavy with the institutional support, the manpower, the, you know, the money, mm-hmm. uh, because money is, unfortunately, uh, something that signifies a viable campaign. Right. And I and I, it's hard to have these conversations with people. I, I you know, I come down, I, I try to be nice to a point and try to be encouraging. And then at some point I got to be like, you know, so how has that been going for you? How, what, are you doing call time? Are you doing the two hours a day? Yeah. And if, for those that don't know what call time is, it sounds so quaint and, and fun. <laughs> yeah. uh, you do usually you do sit in a time. windowless room and dial for dollars. Uh, those yeah. are both to your friends, your family, your every single contact you've ever met over your entire life. Yeah. Um, so if I haven't contacted you yet and you're my friend, then I'll be ready for a phone call soon. Yeah. <laughs> you've, you've, that's the first The first thing people should do. I mean, one is, why am I running? Yeah. You should write an essay to yourself, why I'm running, right? And then the next thing you do is, like you said, every single person you've ever met, uh, put a, create a database, write it down or type it out, and put a dollar sign next to them. Because you, if with, with a field of 10, right. are actually, you have to be fundraising for two races. Because it's a significant possibility that you will not have a clear-cut winner. So that's hard. That's I'd a, say um, it, as close as you can get to 100% probability, it will be yeah. a, a runoff. Yeah. Um, we just, you know, with 10 candidates in the race, it's kind of similar on par with the mayoral race where they have nine. Um, we're definitely going to see a runoff. Exactly. Um, it's rough. So with that said, yeah, um, you know, in order to run an effective campaign, you do need money. You do need to reach out to people. Um, but I think that, you know, when it all comes down to it, it's about what the voters say. Uh, yeah. If you're not getting in touch with the voters or um, doing the legwork, then you're not getting your name out there. It's 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 really um, whether you have the endorsements or whether you have a hundred grand or 200 grand in the bank account, if, if you know, that, that certainly helps. Don't get me wrong. But um, it, it's really important to just uh, make sure you're in touch with the voters. And what are you hearing from voters when you, <clears throat> pardon me, when you go door knocking, what are you hearing from them the most? And door knocking, but also like I'm doing a, a ton of phone calls as well um, with, with a database uh, as well. We've, um, it, it, 
the issues to be honest um our our neighborhoods have have done relatively well over the over the years the last couple of with pandemic have been very um tough mm-hmm. just like everywhere across the the city and state and county but um you know a real real uh, and perceived uh crime and, and public safety but um our neighborhoods are on the, along the lakefront we do have um a fair amount of uh, unhoused neighbors mm-hmm. that live under the viaduct that live under Dusable Lakeshore Drive, and um, these are these are our neighbors. You know, living in a park is no way to live. Um, we do that's a huge concern both uh, across the ward and. But, you know, it's an issue as well across the city and now nationally, too. Exactly. We're talking to Andre Paliquin. Am I saying that correctly? You are. Thank you. Andre Paliquin running for alderman of the 48th Ward. Uh, If you want to learn more about him, uh, if you want to volunteer, if you want to find out ways to support him, go to AndreFor48.com. That's Andre for 48 Uh, That's F-O-R and then 48.com. Let's take a break here and continue our conversation when we come back. And uh, if you want to call and ask him anything. Oh, there is a question for you. Look at that. 7737. 763-9278 is the number to call and join our conversation. 773-763-9278. More in a moment with our guest. WCPT 820, Chicago's Progressive Talk, where facts matter. Patty Vasquez is taking your calls now at 773-763-9278. Driving it home with Patty Vasquez now on WCPT 820. And we have in studio with us candidate for the 48th Ward Aldermanic Race, Andre Paliquin, uh, joins us in studio. We were talking before the break that uh, a lot of folks in your community uh, are concerned about real or imagined public safety. And people are probably like, what does that mean? And, and I, there is an amplification of it. There's obviously not just in the city of Chicago, but internationally, internationally, this idea that, that Chicago is, oh, no, we lost our, uh, we lost Kyle on line two. I call back Kyle. Uh, but in, in homelessness, our unhoused neighbors who, uh, you know, for whatever reason, uh, in particular, you know, there's a there's a housing crisis happening, not just because of the pandemic, but in part because of uh, what are some of the things that you ac- want to accomplish? What are some of your the highlights of your platform? Yeah, the um, so you mentioned a couple of those issues. And one I'd like to tack on to before I answer that is uh, biking and infrastructure as well. Um, you know, whether that's also pedestrian safety, too. Yeah, um, we at, we are basically if you look at a map, we're at the northern terminus of Lakeshore Drive, we which later becomes a state highway. So, um, you know, whether you're driving up Lakeshore Drive and then it becomes Hollywood Avenue, people are still going 40, 50 miles per hour down these residential streets, uh, as well as uh, up, up our um, Avenue uh, Sheridan, Sheridan Road. So um, really, it, it's difficult sometimes to be able to um, kind of slow people down. How do sure. we do that? How do we paint is not just a is not a protector for uh, bicycles. We paint need, is we not need, protection. Yes, That's all you got to no. say. Paint is not protection. And even just as a pedestrian, you know, whether it's yeah. my neighborhoods or just the other day I was down at uh, Grand Avenue and Damon and uh, one of those intersections that's twice the size of every other intersection. And I'm just constantly looking over my right shoulder to make sure I'm not getting plowed over by, you know, the the guy that's turning left and, and is looking at his phone and everything. So it. Anyways, um, yeah, but no, I'm, I agree. I agree. Yeah. We are a car centric city, car centric, and I used to be of the mind of like, hey, look, cars won. 
there's there is no reason for people to accelerate when they see a pedestrian in the street. There is no reason to drive a bike off the road. There's no reason to park in bike lanes. There's no reason to leave our 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 sidewalks filled with ice and snow and and making it impassable for pedestrians and uh, people who have disabilities. Just I I, I'm just putting that out there. So you you had a great candidate on yesterday too, um, uh, Ida Flores, and we. I think we both agreed as well on when I was listening in at least on, uh, you know, the, the city needs to be able to plow sidewalks as well. So in going back just a slight second ago, yeah. um, you know, I'm not advocating for let's just make uh, cars a thing of the past and everybody, no. you know, nobody's using a car. That's this is still an equity thing when, you know, no senior is going to be riding their bicycle down the street in 20 degree weather in the middle of winter. Um, but we need to have uh, it, we need to have you know, less cars on the street as well as just yeah. So I, I I agree. I think that there there needs to be a balance. It's gone too far between everything. Yeah, it's gone. It, the pendulum is swung a balance between too far. everything in life. Yeah, yeah exactly. Yeah. I agree. So, what are some of the other uh, pla- like? If I went to your website, what what are the things that that uh, you have been passionate about that you want people to know? So I'm passionate about. Um, and first off, I'm very cognitive that I or. Um, Sorry, it's the end of the day. I don't even know if that's the right oh, word. No, no, no. Um, Believe me, folks. Very, when, the I fact, like, that, you, the fact I, that you started, I know that you started at 7 a.m. and you go for, you know, 16 hours of doing this. So take a breath. Do I get you're, the caffeine boost or do I? Right? It's like the balancing um, moment. Yep. So uh, 80% of any elder person's job is going to be ward and constituent services. Right. So we've had a really good um, our predecessor, whoever, you know, whoever the next older person may be, we've had a decent um, older person, Osterman, that has, and his team that have, you know, anytime that there's an issue, uh, whether it's regarding graffiti or broken sidewalk or streetlights are out or, um, you know, I've uh, just had issues with the city. Uh, at some point, I just I, I kept going to directly to his staff members because I knew that uh, first off, I you know had the direct email or direct line or whatnot. It's like, hey, Johnny on the spot, we're get, gonna get things done, yeah. and yet you better believe that by the next day, that gang graffiti was gone. Responsiveness um, is really a lot of people, yeah. you know, responsiveness seek that and accountability. Yeah. So there's other uh, other wards out there that don't ha- aren't as vocal, or they have an older person that is. Um, you know, not responsive to their community, um, or, or sometimes retaliates or against constituents. I don't, I don't know where that would be. Not happening. naming names, but um, yes. you wouldn't know anything. <laughs> would, would you, Patty? No. What? I, what? Uh, let me. Uh, what? I'm just filth over here. I'm yeah. not. I'm not even a rat. I'm not yeah. a c word or a b word. I'm just filth. Just so we all know where I'm in the line of texts with this alderman. Let me. Uh, there's a constituent from the 48th ward. Uh, let's take. You know what? Let's take Joe's question. Is that right? Sound good? Sure. Hey, Joe. What's your question for our guest, Andrea Pelequin, running for 48th Ward Alder person? Well, the first thing is he needs to get more his name out, more recognition. I didn't even know he was running. There you go. Uh, the other thing is it's sort of my it's sort of my pet peeve, but I'm grateful that they're replacing the L station. I live on Kenmore and Berwyn, but when they shut the L station down, it's going to be four years. Yep. Oh. When they shut it down, they didn't have, they didn't have a shuttle bus going from that station to the new sort of move down the Bren Mar station or mm-hmm. even to the Argyle station. And if I and if I vote for you <laughs> you ready? If I vote for you, can you try to work on that? 
Is it, is it, is yeah, it a priority? And, uh, Joe, I think your name's Joe. Uh, I really appreciate that. Um, I'm yeah. your relative neighbor. I'm down in uh, Argyle would be my station. And um, we have similar issues there, too, with just all the construction that uh, – in order to, I would absolutely be um, in favor of working on that, um, as well as working with the, uh, currently that's called the Red to Purple Modernization Program of the CTA. Yep. Uh, yep. You know, and I'm just uh, allowing our listeners to, to get caught up to, is uh, right after uh, President Barack Obama left office, um, or right before, I mean, um, we got, Chicago got a lot of federal dollars to be able to upgrade those CTA stations on the far north side. We're getting four brand new stations, and I don't get me wrong, it's been a headache for the last couple of years. And um, one of the reasons why, uh, it, you know, we, we need to, Berwyn especially, but also uh, Bryn Mawr, like you said, uh, have been hurting over the years, uh, both in the, uh, the the feel of the neighborhood, that, that commercial corridor, as well as the small business and local businesses that yeah. you and I have seen have closed down left and right on Ber- I even lost my my bank on oh, no. on Bryn Mawr. Um, lost my coffee shop, lost my bank, and lost my uh, Francesca Mia Francesca's the restaurant and Nookie's. So yeah. uh, I'm just wow. hoping that my barber who's on Bryn Mawr is doing okay and gonna stick around. So hey, Andre, do you have a, another event coming up with another forum coming up that maybe uh, our friend can? We do, and um, we have um, it's. We did have one at Broadway, just uh, not this last. I forget when it was a couple Saturdays ago, but the next one will be in two days, this Thursday, by ASCO. That's the Association of Sheridan Road Owners. Um, but all are welcome, so you don't have to live on Sheridan Road to come. <laughs> that is going to be at the Emanuel Congregation on Sheridan Road. And um, what are the what are the cross streets on that? Sheridan that would be Thorndale and Sheridan. Okay. Yeah. Thursday night at what time? Uh, six thirty to eight thirty, I believe. Um, but get there early so that you can uh, get a seat. Awesome. I, I I will do it. All right. Well, thank and, you for taking my call. And so, Joe, please uh, do introduce yourself self to me. Don't be a stranger, okay? Oh, oh, I'll find you. I like my older one. Thank you. <laughs> Outstanding. All right. Thanks so much for calling. Let's, uh, Andre, do you have time? I know that it's a busy schedule uh, when you're campaigning, but uh, are you good for sticking around till 630? Yeah. You sure? I'm having fun. Okay, good. Let's. Uh, we're hanging out with An- Andre Paliquin. He's running for 48th Ward Aldermanic seat. And uh, we've got Steve and uh, and another guest on 840. We have another caller on 847. Uh, Lady B, I got to send you uh, Kimberly Marion's, uh, KB Marion's info. I don't have my cell phone with me today. So I don't know. This is, I'm like mute over here. I'll, I'll put it in the uh, little box here for the, yeah, I'll do that for 630. All right, let's take a break here. More when we come back on WCPT 820, Heartland Signal. Uh, we're hanging out with Andre Peliquin. You go to Andre for 48.com to learn more while we're talking. Light at the end of the tunnel. Light at the end of this tunnel. That light at the end of the tunnel. Your guiding light. That light is going to get brighter and brighter. Through another day. I think it's a great day. The Joan Esposito Show. Live, local, and progressive. Weekday afternoons at 2 on WCPT 820. You're listening to WCPT Driving It Home with Patty Vasquez. Yeah, don't tell Dan, don't tell Dan Levy. Do I have a I career now? Bed, <laughs> use his bed for uh, for our guest Andre Peliquin, who's running for forty eighth ward to do uh, an intro for the show. You got a great radio voice. Well done. Uh, so we are talking about your platform, and uh, we've got some listeners who have. Uh, Nikki has a question for you based on our conversation in the last half hour. Hi, Nikki. Are you a resident of the forty eighth ward, or do you have, you're just curious about this race in general? I just happened to be in the forty eighth ward today. 
um, I work with the Refugee Connection, um, and I was taking some um, extra clothing, hot, uh, warm clothing to a place at 5339, I think it was, North Sheridan. It's um, some uh, an organization that does some work there for um, uh, underprivileged people. Anyway, um, I hadn't been in your ward in a long time and really, really looked awesome. But my question is, I know that the city of Chicago is working on homelessness. I know that's probably in there somewhere. But is there any work being done at the aldermanic level for homelessness in Chicago, do you know? And that's my question. I'll hang up. Thanks for the question. Um, And thank you for the work you're doing for refugees, too. Thank you. Thanks for... uh, patronizing uh, the 48th Ward in Edgewater as well. Um, I don't know if it's the exact location, but that may be uh, Care for Real. Uh, they are a fantastic not-for-profit that helps uh, food pantry as well as um, people that need, need food or clothing or um, any kind of those donations. Um, uh, it, as well as um, I have not done work at the aldermanic level because I've never been an alderman, but um, this will be my first run. But, um, you know, there are... And I'm not going to uh, sit here and say that I'm an expert on on this massive issue as well. But um, uh, anything we do needs to be collaborative. It mm-hmm. needs to have community buy-in. Uh, you know, these are our neighbors. They're not just um, you know, they're not just a uh, uh, people that that you know. They, whether it's a substance issue or mental health, um, these are things that are very important to uh, our community and uh, as well as our city too. So um, whether it's Developing affordable housing, whether it's uh, holding uh, CHA accountable um, uh, on on having uh, Chicago Housing Authority, uh, there's currently 1,000 plus um, units right now that CHA is sitting on that um, basically with just a minimal amounts of repair work uh, could be easily um, uh, one bedroom units or, or multi uh, a family can live there. Um, those are currently being unused, and so that's at least, I know that that's a huge drop in the bucket on our 122,000 uh, lack of uh, homes that we need uh, overall. But um, any kind of um, regarding regarding the unhoused, we have uh, we need to have you know wraparound services as well mm-hmm. that involves uh, having mental health uh, clinics um, back in our neighborhoods that people can go to can uh, freely attend. Uh, as well as, you know, whether, you know, full wraparound services. So uh, mental health, um, uh, housing, as well as, um, you know, all the above. Right. So. I, um, pardon me, I uh, I know that there are folks that are clamoring for, you know, when you talk, when we talk about wraparound services, I think there's also a collaboration of services that need to be done. You know, there was a, there was a working group for homelessness in Jefferson Park and they had an event like at the, the Blue Line Terminal. And we have so many people that are riding the trains in order to stay warm, uh, in order to have some shelter. Mm-hmm. And then, you know, people then, uh, there are folks that then sort of catalog what they see on the trains. You know, there's, there's a sort of like this balance between wanting to help someone and other people shaming someone uh, that people also want to feel safe. Uh, you know, when they're on the train, uh, there's a, so, you know, have you done any uh, sort of work or uh, inquiries into how we can collab, like sort of bring CTA and social services uh, sort of together in order in sort of as a, as an avenue for those wraparound services? Hmm, yeah, that's a great question. The, um, you know, CTA is there. It's, it's, 
it's one of the most equitable things that we have about our city. So we can get on a train for $2.50 right now. Um, That's such a great way or, to put you it. Know, the express bus that takes me from the far north side to downtown uh, in about 15 minutes. That's without sure. without traffic. <laughs> <laughs> right. Don't, don't catch me on a, uh, on a Monday morning with uh, – so um, – Yeah. But um, – no, with uh, sleeping on a train and and having just that warm place to be is it's again not a just like living in the parks it's not a, a way to live. Right, um, it's not the desired no situation for. I mean, maybe I, yeah. I don't assume anything. You know, it's a uh, we do need to start thinking outside the box. Outside for the box, absolutely. Yeah. And um, you know, I'm I'm here to you know come up with ideas that I haven't thought of yet either. So sure. um, yeah. yeah. Let's uh, take Steve from uh, Steve from the Gold Coast. Hey, Steve, what's on your mind, my friend? Well, actually, you touched on the issue that I wanted to address because I, I do think that sometimes people run for office and they address voters or their constituents. Um, people are under the impression that uh, their alderman is somehow empowered to do things they are not. And that's why I think we can't emphasize enough the need for a cooperative community effort that involves local, city, county, state, mm-hmm. and even federal resources. I mean, with all due respect to people who are concerned about revamping an L-stop, uh, even if it's in an alderman's ward, they are extremely limited in terms of their capacity to impact a project of that sort that's federally funded. Um, that that's something that, that really uh, that decision is made beyond the purview of the alder. But they, they right. can sort of play with it at, at the edges. But the idea that uh, you're going to get the alderman to, to change that project somehow, or to, to do away with it, or, or to fundamentally change how it's being funded, and that's just not how it works. And so that, that I think that people need to understand who's empowered to do what at what level of government. So uh, when you have concerns, take it to the right level of government. And when people are running for office, don't expect that this person is going to be able to ch- change something that they're not empowered to change. Mm-hmm. I mean, right. one, one, yeah. one of the things that, uh, you know, and, and uh, the other point was this, uh, uh, this issue of, of, of all of us sharing roads in Chicago. Let's face it, we're living in a 19th century city in the 21st century. Yes. Chicago was built long before there were automobiles. And now we're trying to share uh, automobiles with pedestrians, with bike riders, with public transportation. And the reality is that this isn't Arizona or California mm-hmm. where we just can build 10-lane highways. Uh, so you know, everybody wants their own little piece, and, uh, and it's, a, it's a tug of war. I mean, one of the most ridiculous suggestions I've heard was you know, these sort of fixed concrete emplacements that would make bike lanes safer, except for one little problem. Bike lanes become effectively the place where we put snow during the blizzard in Chicago or a snowstorm because people don't generally utilize them in the winter. And let's face it, I mean, there's only so much room to go around when it snows in Chicago. So exactly what do you do with a concrete barrier? Now that that snow used to be the place where you know snow would go, and how does that work in terms of you know utilizing streets and sanitation? So there's all sorts of ideas that people have that they have them in July uh, when they're not thinking about these sorts of things uh, in terms of what happened in January. But I thought that was that was among the most ridiculous suggestions well, for bike lanes. I will yeah. say this, Steve. There's an opportunity for you next Monday, the 30th. I believe that's the right day. Uh, I'm going to be hosting a forum. I won't be on the air. Uh, Senator Dankatowski's filling in because I will be doing a Better Streets Chicago event, uh, talking a little bit about. Right now, it's about plow the sidewalks, but it also entails how to make the streets safer for pedestrians and cyclists and things like that too. It's an organization that is uh, striving for this and having these conversations. So that's going to be at Access. Living over on Chicago Avenue starting at 5 o'clock on Monday evening. 
So if that's an, if you're in the area, come swing by. That's a really good point. And just to jump back, just real quick. Hold on, yeah. Let, let, uh, let Andre uh, respond. Just to jump back on your. Um, Absolutely. You know, an alderman doesn't have the power to just wave a magic wand and uh, make, uh, you know, I'm absolutely uh, cognizant of the issues that are happening, um, at least in our area, uh, Berwyn Avenue and Bryn Mawr Avenue with the train construction. This has been a massive federal project that has given us dollars to do that. Um, The elder person does at least have some uh, authority uh, with the community, of course, to say, Uh, to hold the construction company um, accountable just on, hey, please be a better neighbor. Can we have uh, less debris as well as um, uh, with with any kind of uh, crossroad um, construction or uh, basically just kind of trying to be a better neighbor? It's one of those things that, yes, this is going to be a tough situation that uh, hopefully, theoretically, it's all going to be done by 2025. Right, and, and and that's just the reality of being in a big city. Because it just uh, as it, when they were doing the Jane Byrne interchange that took over a decade, you know, you have to, you can't just shut down that part of uh, of mass transit and say, okay, it's going to take us X amount of years to figure out another way to get around. No, you have to keep that open while we actually work on the project. Right, and, and of course, you, you, nobody's going to be happy because they're going, they're going to be inconvenienced. And as you point out, uh, there's there's no way to add, to make everyone happy. But at the same time, it's in the long run, we recognize that these kind of infrastructure updates are needed mm-hmm. if you want to have a, a city that functions in the 21st century. And I know a lot of people say, you know, they say community involvement. Well, what does that exactly mean as well? So one thing that has been great that has uh, really helped at least uh, put a Band-Aid on our Bryn Mawr corridor is uh, over the winter season, we've had something called Winter Bryn Markets. <laughs> and nice. that's, you know, uh, you, you hear about these uh, uh, bar pop-ups. Well, we have the uh, local and locally made um, craftsmen and uh, people selling items that that's uh, awesome. they're pop-up shops that, you know, I could do my uh, holiday shopping over. And uh, big shout out to my my mother who actually we we went there together and she completely bought I think you know a hundred percent of somebody's products and and that that uh, vendor said I need to go home and make some more nice <laughs> that's a good feeling um, but no uh, the, regards as well to the caller earlier that was concerned about Berwyn which if you don't know the area it's it's very residential there are. Um, uh, storefronts that have been underutilized over the years. We we have a, a thriving theater se- local theater scene yeah, that basically on, on, on every little uh, commercial corridor in our neighborhood. But um, uh, that area is hurting too. What we can do is, um, you know, I'm absolutely a huge proponent of we need to uh, go into what our unfortunate huge city bureaucracy is and see what kind of red tape we can cut for small business owners uh if we can uh in order to keep their rents low if we can help uh property owners that are commercial property owners uh somehow um you know cap their that property tax um these are things that you know we all need to think outside the box on in order to kind of revitalize those economic corridors that really are not just the economic engine of our neighborhoods, whether it's our neighborhoods or not, or your neighborhoods, wherever you may live, those those are also the character of what our neighborhoods are. So exactly. your local neighborhoods shopping in Andersonville will be very different if we had just corporate big box stores everywhere. 
And, and, and lastly, I was wondering if you could address the question because you raised the, the concern with regard to affordable housing. And, and for people who don't know it, the, the current system in Chicago is one that functions in, in this way. If you're a developer, you agree to, to put up housing and you're, you can allocate X amount of it for, uh, for low-cost mm-hmm. housing. However, you have the option of basically paying the fee and opting out of mm-hmm. that. In other words, uh, you, you just pay the city X amount of money, and, and therefore you can sell it all at market rates, which the vast majority of developers do. Right. Because, let's face it, a lot of people, they, feel that they just don't want to live in a building with, with people who are, a subsid- who are taking advantage of subsidized housing. They don't see it as advantageous. They just pay a relatively small fee, and, and basically it's market rate. And then, of course, you're seeing gentrification all over the city. And, I mean, I don't think that the existing system is working because right. it's just not something that incentivizes the development of low-cost housing. And for those that are listening that might not know, that's called aldermanic prerogative or some call it aldermanic privilege. That's basically each alder person has the power over zoning within their particular ward. So a developer comes to their neighborhood, their ward office, and says, we want to build XYZ, um, and it's this is what it's going to look like, and um, – uh, an older person, typically, not all, but uh, would want to see some affordable housing in that particular construction. Um, it's one of those, sometimes it's 10%, sometimes it's 20% affordable, sometimes it's 30%. But um, I would say my real estate background, a lot of developers aren't even going to walk into the older person's office to pre- say we want to build if it's 30% or higher. Um if there's incentives from the county, the city, or any kind of funds that are out there for private developers to be able to build uh, high-quality, affordable housing, then they need to it, – it's just a supply and demand issue on their end. Um, the government cannot force uh, private industry to right. say, build this in, at this price. Uh, however, and let's face it. Yeah, yeah. And, and let's face it. When it, when it comes to the, the question of affordable housing, and like a lot of other issues, whether it's red or blue states or community, it turns out that the that the policies remain the same because people have this nimby attitude. It's uh, okay. I believe in affordable right. housing, but just not in my backyard. I've literally heard somebody, and I won't name a name, but it, I, I'm I want diversity in my neighborhood, and I want affordable housing, but I don't want any shadows cast over my house. So, yeah, I mean, it's the single largest asset that most Americans have, and though they believe right. in progressive causes when it comes to undermining their property values, whether it's perceived as a, rea- a reality or not, the, the perception is, is what guides people. So, unfortunately, right. that's the, that di- the dynamic. That doesn't necessarily mean uh, let's just build skyscrapers everywhere, of course, but right. uh, we don't want a skyscraper next to a single-family house. But we do need to rethink what our uh, – as as – Unsexy as it might be, uh, zoning is uh, it basically the community or city tells uh, the developers what you can build and what we want. And I think now is a great time that we as a city and we as the 48th Ward can say um, we can kind of retool what zoning looks like as well as uh, give a roadmap to what uh, what we want in our neighborhood versus just them coming later and saying, right. uh, no. <laughs> Thanks a lot for calling, Steve. Appreciate it. Thank you. Take care. We are phone lines are open. So is a text screen seven seven three seven six three nine two seven eight. If you want to join the conversation, well, our text screen, of course, we're thankful to our sponsor, sponsored by Camp Kubagani, a child summer of empowerment challenge and fun. Visit multiculturalcamp.com for more information. And uh, we'll come back in just a moment and wrap up with on.
Andre Pelliquid. I got to get send him back out there. Do you, I don't know what, what he's got planned for uh, you know the rest of his evening, whether it's phone calls or get uh, get out there before the the uh, folks uh, won't answer their doors anymore or yell at you. Get off my porch! It's too late. Seven seven three seven six three nine two seven eight. More in a moment on driving at home with me, Patty Vasquez, WCPT eight twenty. You're listening to WCPT eight twenty because facts matter. Listening to Driving It Home with Patty Vasquez on WCPT 820. There are 10 candidates running for the 48th Ward Aldermanic seat, but only one has the endorsement of our good friend Maggie O'Keefe, the committee woman for the 40th Ward. And I want to congratulate Andrea Paliquin with that because uh, she she goes she's very diligent and uh, thorough about her endorsement process. Force of nature. Yes, she is. Yes, she is. Does great work. What uh, what has been what has surprised you uh, while you've been running for office? Is there a moment that you were like, oh, did not see that coming in the last few months as you pursue pursue this seat? Yeah, um, this is my first run for office. I've been obviously involved over the years, uh, whether just in the community or also political, um, whether it's, uh, you know, getting out the vote for any candidate, um, working in Chicago politics back in the day. But um, we've heard a lot about um, people running and then getting stricken from the ballot or challenged based off of, you know, your signatures. So if you ever had a candidate out there that asked for your signature, hey, I'm running for office, let's get, get me on the ballot. Um, there's a lot of confusion out there about do we oh well can we only sign for one candidate or like do I live in the ward I don't even know where my ward is um, you know or I already did so can't sign for you but right. um, so we had zero challenges uh, both my campaign and also all the other campaigns did not challenge each other either so while we do have a a, a wide net of candidates it was interesting to see. And uh, I'm grateful for it, too, um, that, uh, you know, there's a level, at least right now, um, a level of cordiality on just um, being kind to each other. Uh, this is all of our first run for office, uh, no matter our background. But, um, you know, it, it's not a lot of uh, cutting each other down. So which, you know. I know Chicago politics can be known as a, uh, a blood sport sometimes. Really? <laughs> what are you talking about? Yeah, it is. A, it is an interesting uh, process to get on the ballot. What? Uh, so, like tonight, are you? What's your? What's the rest of your night look like for during campaign? Yeah. So as you had in the last five weeks with, with tonight, you know, it's phone calls, uh, whether to voters or to um, uh, just continue kind of that um, building up the campaign bank account so that we can get our message out, uh, get more people involved. Uh, if anybody wants, I'm going to do a quick plug for myself if I can, is yeah. uh, uh, join me at andre48.com. Uh, we host uh, volunteer activities on Saturdays as well as Sundays, both in person and online. So very easy and accessible, whether you uh, live in the neighborhood or, you know, you're a friend of mine who lives in a different county or state. Um, we do a lot of uh, just getting out there and also not just telling voters what we are all about, but um, listening to, pe- to people and what are your concerns. And we want to rope you in so that we can get you involved and uh, and keep you active as well. And as we hopefully win the election and um, and I want you to participate in my uh, in my 
Aldermanic administration. But, uh, you mentioned <laughs> earlier, you know, the block organizations, yeah. community uh, organizations, chambers of commerce. You know, I do encourage folks to, in whatever way, whether it's in person or now we have so much access to yeah. virtual meetings and connecting that way, too. So, uh, you know, I have a lot of folks feel helpless or they feel like things are happening to them. This is a way to feel connected, isn't it? Mm-hmm. And, um, you know... It, it's really there's so much happening too. You were talking about things happening at the national level earlier that um, before I came on that uh, can sometimes feel out of our control. Yeah. But it, there is more to do out there than just showing up on election day or casting your ballot early, which you're more than welcome to do. That's starting. Uh, I forget if that just started, um, but um, early January will be your in your your early voting location early in your ward. Yes. Yeah, sorry. That's February. right. Um, but get out there to vote, volunteer, um, whether it's my campaign or anybody's, just put yeah. put your best foot forward, be active. Uh, and if you don't, you know, like who your current alderman is, then find somebody who has a, a message that you want to be a part of. It's a fun, it's, uh, it starts Thursday, by the way. Early voting starts uh, yeah. th- starts on Thursday. That, that's, uh, um, and then there's going to be super sites uh for folks to get their voting done and then early voting. So obviously the, the applications to do vote mm-hmm. by mail are already available, uh, but you can go to chicagoelections.gov to learn more. But from January 26th through February 28th, the super site at 191 North Clark is going to be uh, open for early voting, as well as the uh, board offices at 69 West Washington on the sixth floor. And then early voting in all 50 wards will begin Monday, February 13th all the way through Election Day. So that's a little bit of information there. Thank you, Patty. Of course. And, um, yeah, the whether it's you know, my campaign or not, or if you're in a different ward, you don't maybe, you've never heard of said candidate, um, give that person a chance. Look them look up their website. Um, you know, uh, basically, um, th- there's something out there for everybody, and, and I want to be including everybody right now. Yeah. So. Are you going to have lawn signs? Do you have lawn signs? We just put an order in. Uh, I'm a little late to the game, but that's because... It's about, it's about money, man. It's about money. They're they're not cheap either. No, they're not cheap. Uh, if you ever if you ever want to support uh, Patty Vasquez for state rep, I have a whole crawl space filled with, uh, with lawn signs. We also went out and picked up all of our lawn signs and brought them as because we had a, a database of yeah. all where they a lot of them were dropped off. And then there's like a flurry of people just throwing them everywhere yeah. yeah and then there's this balance of well okay I, I i i believe in climate change we all do i'm i'm an environmentalist i don't want to see trash everywhere i know and they're all made of plastic and i, I know i just I know. It, it hurts me to it, have to do this i can't even you know the amount of paper uh okay wait, that's that's for another maybe in time. the future we'll have a, a cornstarch uh, yeah that's, <laughs> yard sign i you know what i would do i would do next time is uh we just got a postcard from my son's school and the paper that it's on you can just put it in the garden and it's wildflowers it has seeds in it yeah oh my that's what i, I i'm so now i've just ruined it <laughs> every candidate's going to do that for the i don't know how much that costs but it's very cool again we've been talking to andre Peliquin, running for 48th ward aldermanic seat uh, you can go to andre for 48.com and uh, find out how you can support him. And as he mentioned, uh, thank you for mentioning that folks you know, can search for their aldermanic. If you go to Chicago, uh, elections.gov, you can search for it, you know, put your address in and find out who your alderman is or alder person is as well. And I do also have a, uh, I gave out the website, but I have a campaign phone number as well if you had a follow-up question after I'm done tonight. But um, is that 773-234- Seven zero five zero. Outstanding. One more time. The number seven seven three two three four 
888-646-7050. And don't dial that while you're driving. <laughs> my guess is a lot of my listeners are like me. We like calling, so give them a call. <laughs> uh, we'll talk to you again before the uh, before the end of this race so we can uh, get folks, uh, get out the vote is what we're going to do next. So thank you so much, Andre. It was a pleasure talking to you and look forward to having you back no matter what. I wish you the best. Thank you, Patty, and thank you listeners out there. Excellent. Let's take a break here. We'll come back with uh, KB Marion for That's Not What's Happening. <laughs> All the crazy viral stories that uh, become, I don't know, just entangled in people's brains. Let's find out what, what's on KB's mind tonight. Chicago's Progressive Talk, WCPT 820, where facts matter. This is Kirk Bankstead from the Minocqua Brewing Company, and I sell Choice Hard Seltzer, an all-natural grapefruit-flavored booze that you can enjoy for only 100 calories a can. A percentage of the proceeds of every can of Choice Hard Seltzer you buy goes to reproductive rights organizations in the Chicagoland area. Enjoy a light, refreshing hard seltzer this summer and support reproductive freedom at the same time. Now available at Dino's Cardinal Liquors in Gurney, Illinois, and Sugar Beet Food Co-op in Oak Park, as well as in Chicago at Jarvis Square Tavern, Rogers Park, and Garfield's Beverage Express Wicker Park. Please drink responsibly. You're listening to Driving It Home with Patty Vasquez on WCPT 820. Coming up this Sunday, as I do every month, the last Sunday of the month, I have a show. Patty Vasquez and friends at the Laugh Factory. And joining me for that show will be KB Marion, who joins me right now, uh, catching stories, uh, viral or online stories that uh, capture people's imaginations and they go crazy over them and they're misinformed. And she's like, that's not what's happening. We were talking at an event last uh, last year. And uh, she said that, and I was like, I've always wanted to do a segment called That's Not What's Happening. So what's not happening, KB? How are you doing? Good, Patty. How, how are you doing? I'm doing all right. Uh, it's, you know, it's, uh, I'm excited to see you on Sunday. It's going to be a fun show. We've got uh, Dwayne Kennedy on that show, and uh, Soli yeah. Santos, and uh, uh, we've got Paul Farvar and Lindsay Shaw. And I'm so excited that you'll be there. Uh, it'll be good. Yeah, it'll be a good time. And uh, thanks for thanks for having me on again. Now, normally I do I do a little bit stuff that's a little bit more, you know, pop culture is more more towards that. But this one caught my attention because most people around this time would get excited about hearing about this. Okay. Uh, and it's a uh, it's about the GOP uh, bill to abolish the tax code. Uh, it's, you know, we getting close to tax season. A lot of people can't stand the IRS. They heard that maybe, you know, GOP might want to abolish the IRS. That's not what's happening. Yeah, that's, that's <laughs> not even close. No, not even close. Not even close. So tell us what what is happening. They, they, it's all a shell game, isn't it? It absolutely is. So, like, first off, they want to remove the payroll tax, estate tax, and income tax. Now, that sounds good in theory. In theory, you like, I get to keep my whole check. Wow. That's not what's actually happening because what they actually want to do is do a 30% sales tax. (laughs) (laughs) A a, a 30% sales tax, which is absurd because I'm like, uh, you guys were the ones that were just trying to say that we need to fight inflation and hold it all down. And then you want to add 30% to us buying cereal? Like, what is really going on here? Like, that is the most absurd thing I've ever heard in my entire life. And what makes it, like, more hilarious is I always get scared. Like, I know a bill is garbage from the GOP when they use terms like fair. Right. Because there is nothing. Anytime they use fair, equality, you know that it, A, read the fine print. 
like like you getting an app from Apple. You know what I'm saying? Like that's what you have to do with it. So they're talking about a 30% sales tax. Uh, and then this is the kicker for there's two kickers about this that people don't know. One, they're basically saying that the states will send over the money that they accumulate <laughs> from the sales tax okay. to the treasury. <laughs> sure. Sure. Oh sure. God. Yeah. Well, let's see how that worked out for Mississippi. Okay. <laughs> like Mississippi is not giving that up. They going to build, they going to have Brett Favre building pickleball courts and doing, <laughs> like that's not happening. Which state, that, like you would have to audit the states at that point. Which state is going to be like, oh, I'm going to give this to, you know, like what if your state is like New York or Illinois where you, have you know people with higher incomes you know paying you know all of this money and then they have to turn around and turn over money and yeah and they're just supposed to be okay but that's not going to happen like like especially and and looking at illinois half of our governors have been to prison you can't even (laughs) how are you going to trust that it's, I know it's this a, is a farce. KB, it's a it's an honor system, I'm sure. <laughs> There's no honor among thieves. <laughs> That's first off. Uh, the other thing with that is is that so they're saying and with see these write ups about stuff like this, you can tell how out of touch they are because they were like, so a family of four that makes fifty thousand dollars a year. I'm like, well. You're not you're not aware of how expensive things really are because fifty thousand dollars a year for a family of four is broke. Oh, yeah, it's broke. You're not making any money with that. And the other kicker that made me laugh about this is they were like, "Well, no, we'll have a prebate, so those that make fifteen thousand dollars or less, they'll get money to make up for what they're not making." Excuse me? A- excuse me? Wow. Wow. <laughs> I did not know about the prebate. Oh, my God. Go ahead. <laughs> this is crazy. You socialism? <laughs> you made socialism. <laughs> Here's money so you can buy stuff that we're going to tax. I mean, it's like it's insane. Right? It's absolutely. It's, it's insane, and it's clearly the reason why this, this will make it to the House floor, but I don't think it'll pass. Uh, is because uh, Goof Troop McCarthy, Speaker of the House, uh, <laughs> this was one of his. This was one of his negotiations was that he would bring this to the floor to get votes. First off, that's a terrible, terrible negotiation skills right there. <laughs> terrible negotiation skills, but also it, it's not. It's not going to pass and. Uh, I just thought th- this story is not necessarily getting as much as much uh, credence to it because you know honestly, um, if they if if Democrats were smart, they would be like, okay, let's do that and let's do the prebate, and they could increase the prebate to make it eventually become universal <laughs> basic income. <laughs> there you go. <laughs> when you're like. If you want to do that, let's let, let's ride it out, you know. Yeah. <laughs> um, and so, like, I that was one of the stories, but it's it's getting murked up because you have 
um, George Santos or what, whatever his real name is or whoever this Catch Me If You Can character is, that is in Congress, there's so many other stories that are being um, submerged within within our United States Congress that this hasn't really made it to a top story. But I do think it's something that, you know, people should really pay attention to because uh, a lot of Americans, number one, can't really, you know, once again, afford to live in the United States properly at this point. And the other thing is, is that um, it feels like there's a lot of bait and switch of what should be the focus. And I think that's what's happening with a lot of these stories that are coming out from the GOP is that let's keep everything under cover of what our true intentions are. And the other thing is, is that like, it's kind of mind boggling that (laughs) you would come up with something that leans so heavily towards socialism. Right. I know. I'm looking. I, I had not heard about the prebate. Uh, we're talking to comedian KB Marion and her segment. That's not what's happening. Uh, <laughs> but the idea of a prebate uh, in which Americans would receive a check from the federal government equivalent to 23 percent of the cost of living at the federal poverty line in order to offset the tax for the basic necessities and assist lower income. F- so sending out checks which they've been screaming about for decades and welfare. We're talking about welfare. (laughs) (laughs) And this is in order to eliminate the tax code. So you wouldn't have anything taken out of your taxes anymore, but then this has to be federal and state. And I I don't even know how you would collect all of this. I mean, and how it would be dispersed. Uh, Yeah. So it'd be a new sales tax in addition, in addition to, by the way, any state level sales taxes that you may have. <laughs> exactly. Oh my God. Like, so yeah. So I, I this story and it like I said, it's been it's been, you know, uh submerged and I think it's been submerged I think it's honestly uh one of those stories where if people really dug into it, I think that they I think the GFP knows that this is a losing debate. Because all you would have to say is, hey, yo, uh, now you're paying uh, 30% extra on your car and everything that you buy, you know? Yeah. So, like, and the other thing is, is that, you know, if you're worried about uh, people getting their whole paycheck, like, why don't we work on workers' rights? Why don't we work on them? They're like. What way can we make sure our rich friends stay even richer mm-hmm. and also screw over the middle class even more? Yeah. Hey, Patty, I'm just keeping it real. If this were to go in effect, I know exactly how much I'm going to be making per year under the table because there is no <laughs> way. Yeah. I'm making sure I get my UBI. Oh, man. Now, when you see the, like, did you, because I know that you look at, like, some of the videos and follow some of the stories. What kind of comments are you seeing from people who think this is a good idea? Are there people out there that are like, that sounds like an amazing idea. Yes. I would love to pay 30% sales taxes. Well, people, no, because this is a thing, Patty. People don't read, boo. So it's. it's, (laughs) No. (laughs) 
They don't read the fine print. They didn't realize they was giving all their data to Facebook and Instagram. They didn't know that. So they don't. So what? How it's been positioned is that aren't you tired of the government taking all of your money? And people are like, yes. And can't, nobody likes the IRS. And people are sure. like, yeah, absolutely. And it's like we got a plan for you. And 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 that's how they've been kind of positioning it. The thing is that once you read further, you're like, wait a minute, a 30% increase. And I'm like, first off, there's grossly misunderstanding. Americans, we may not always be the most comprehensive people, but we understand percentages enough to know what 30% is. We got a tip everywhere we go. <laughs> exactly. Right? You move a decimal point over, and then you you multiply it by whatever percentage. It, it's this, it, is, this is insane. Yeah, no, 30%. I mean, all I have to do is, uh, already, if, you, if something costs $100, you're not paying 130 Boom. It, easy. Yeah. Right there. Yeah. This is like dispensary prices. <laughs> Somebody asked, do you know, have, have you seen anything where it also would apply? This wouldn't apply to rent, would it? You think they're not going to try to apply that to rent? <laughs> of course they're going to try to apply that to rent. I, I feel like Republicans are going uh, in the House are like, well, we got to pay for stuff and we definitely have to pay for our salaries and we definitely have to pay for all the trips that we take. And we definitely have to pay for the We want to make sure that the roads are good. We definitely like they they're, it, like some of them are starting to learn like there has to be taxes, but they want to eliminate the IRS. And by the way, do you know that this would create two new agencies in order to replace the, uh, the IRS? It would be the uh, hold on a second. I had it a minute ago, an excise tax bureau and a sales tax bureau yeah (laughs) and what's even more hilarious one of the representatives who helped write the bill this is what he literally said he said there's just too many pages in the tax code okay (laughs) well all right well that seems like something else yeah go for that dude like this is not the ten commandments you're going to have to read more than you know, and honestly, the only people that's really benefited from all of these tax codes is the government and wealthy people anyway. Yeah. You know, like, they're the ones with the loopholes. They're the ones with the... And I'm going to tell you this much. If you think that uh, 30% is going to be like, oh, we're going to get more money from the wealthy, you're not. You're not. Most wealthy people are going to invest, they're still going to keep their offshore yep. accounts, extra, and they're just going to be stockpiling even more money so that they can pay idiots who wrote this bill off. That's just all that's happening. And it's, it's just not going to work. It's absolutely, it's absolutely absurd. And um, it caught my attention. I know it's not pop culture or relevant, but I thought... No, it's perfect. Here. This might be one dumbest bills I've ever read in my entire <laughs> life because it shows just how out of touch they are. Like and how 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 dumb they think that, you know, the American public is. Like we understand percentage. We know coupons. Okay. <laughs> we know tipping. So yeah. we understand <laughs> what thirty percent means. A listener texted in, uh, poor people spend 100% of their money, therefore they will be paying uh, on 100% of their money. Rich people spend maybe 10% of their money, therefore they're only paying out on 10%. This would work out for great people. Yep.
Yeah, because because yep. people who live paycheck to paycheck, literally, that's the point. They're buying, they're paying off debts, they're buying groceries, they're paying for rent, for clothing, for sh- all that stuff. All the ascent, everything that we earn goes to essentials, and and then you know, hopefully, a few other things. But rich people, you know, it, it, and here's the thing: it also forces people to make choices between whether it's yeah. you know whether it's uh, being able to wear warm clothing or have food. Right. I mean, you think about that. Yeah, it's it's insane. You're, you're absolutely right. It is one of the dumbest bills. But are there. But I'm just I'm just I'm, I haven't seen anyone like cheering this on. Yes. I want to pay 30 percent on my groceries or on my clothing or on shoes, anything. Yeah, I, I just think that, um, you know, they're like I said, I think obviously it's going to die. It's not. It, they're going to bring it because, like I said, Goof Troop McCarthy agreed to it, and I have a feeling if he does not put this on the floor, at least up for a vote, that he is going to feel the wrath. Because you know, Dum Dum sat up there and made it to where they can vacate his seat as well. Which, yeah. once again, bad negotiation, <laughs> bad negotiator, like. Oh yeah, you could take my job when they're okay. Yeah, so he agreed to it. So he uh, he's for sure gonna put it up there. It's not gonna pass, but it was just an interesting story, and it just also shows really where where our Congress Congress is at because um, they're 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 absolutely just absolutely dysfunctional and out of touch. How long do you think McCarthy lasts in the seat? I heard Hal Sparks and Joan taking, I think Hal said he didn't think he would last a year. Joan Esposito says she doesn't think he'll be six months. What do you think? With the way that they, they ganging up on him, he, he, hey, he might not make it pay. You know how at, at jobs they have that 30 day probationary period? <laughs> yeah. He better not have no sick days. He better not. <laughs> he got to be the first one to the to the house floor every morning. <laughs> he better not go on lunch break. He better. <laughs> I love the idea of that. Like he has, he needs a badge that says trainee. <laughs> right? Yeah. <laughs> probationary period. I love that idea. Yeah. He's on a probationary period. I, hey, I give him, I give him. So who gave him a year? Hal Sparks. He said he would. He didn't think he would last a year. So that gives a, it's a it's a wide berth right there. But I, I, Joan thinks six months. Y'all giving him a lot of time, <laughs> a lot, of time. a lot of time. I don't. He he's so spineless, and they know that they can run over him. He ain't gonna be in there that long. I give him three months. Okay, three months. All right, so we got three months. That's where we should start taking bets. I need a, I need a chart to see where people. We need a pool. Yeah, we I need, need a pool. Absolutely. Uh, by the way, Dave on our uh, Facebook live stream says half of our governors have been in prison. Hell, KB, these idiots in D.C. reelected Marion Barry after he did a stint on a crack cocaine conviction. Wow. Oh, that's right. <laughs> D.C. is wild. D.C. is wild. Yeah. It's, it's, a, yeah. it's a have you have you been to DC? We should go sometime and broadcast and do shows there. Oh, we definitely should. But um, about wait, hold up. But was Marion Barry a good a a a, a good mayor though? Like, <laughs> no, he wasn't. He wasn't. The answer doesn't matter. 
No. It's been a great hanging out with KB Marion for that's not what's happening. That's uh, not what's happening. That's not what's happening. We're going to be at the Laugh Factory this Sunday with KB and Dwayne Kennedy, Soli Santos, Paul Farvar, and Lindsay Shaw. The show starts at 7 o'clock, and I look forward to uh, seeing you on Sunday. i got to fill you in on some other things that are, are happening as well. Uh, so hopefully we'll get that Tata's uh, Kitchen Social is going to be up soon. She's got uh, she had a community meeting, so we're excited about starting shows there on Thursdays as well. And uh, you'll be headlining that show soon. Awesome. Excellent. Awesome. Thank you. Patty. Yeah, let's, we'll, we'll talk to KB again soon uh, in the next couple weeks in February for sure because uh, we're, we're in the last week of January, so it works out. Uh, I'll see you on Sunday, my friend. Yep, see ya. Awesome. Bye. <laughs> Sales. <laughs> Sales tax. That is a crazy, the dumbest piece of legislation. I love it. More after this on WCPT 820 Heartland Signal. We're driving it home till 7. Stephanie Miller. We get an awful America-hating WNBA player while Russia gets an international arms dealer. That's the thing about the whole Hunter Biden thing. Are we just ignoring that every rant he posts, he's obviously completely drunk coke and or to coke gills. to the gills? Allegedly. <laughs> right, allegedly, Chris. Probably Did I say, Adderall that he's crushed up and snorted. I'm sorry. Allegedly. Trump organization, criminal, criminal Trump organization is what's not alleged anymore. Right. Stephanie Miller, weekday mornings, 8 to 11, on WCPT 820. Because facts matter. You're listening to WCPT 820. You're listening to Driving It Home with Patty Vasquez on WCPT 820. We've only got a few seconds left here. I want to thank my guests and all of you for uh, contributing to this conversation today. It's always, you know, I, I haven't been feeling great for the last couple of weeks. And uh, the thing that I look forward to every day is having these conversations with you. And, and uh, you give me a little bit of energy. Sometimes I get some adrenaline. Uh, we get riled up. And, uh, and I'm always so happy to be here with you. And uh, it's just, uh, it's really an honor every single day to have these conversations. And I want to thank our sponsors, as always. Kids Above All. Go to kidsaboveall.com. Org and uh, find out how you can help kids. Uh, they really do such tremendous work there. I've had the pleasure of helping teach uh, some writing classes how to turn trauma into your story, tell your story. Uh, and it's not easy to uh, to work through what has happened uh, in your childhood and, and make that a part of uh, your the process, writing your story down, whether it's using humor, uh, storytelling. And uh, it was really an incredible uh, m- moment. I was uh, in awe of these young ladies that I worked with, um, teenage girls living in a group home, uh, really do everything you can. If you can just visit the website, if you want to chip in a little bit uh, to make sure that the that kids feel uh, special, they feel honored and uh, and have dignity. So uh, really a wonderful organization, kidsaboveall.org. Of course, we want to thank our friend Warren Price, who also helps uh, make sure that uh, we we have what our, we need in, in different ways. So visit uh, europeanus.com. And of course, last but not least, our friend uh, Kirk Bankstead from Monaco Brewing. I want to thank him for the sponsorship and support for the show. We'll be back tomorrow. It's uh, it's Wednesday. Ooh, Tom Appel will be in studio with us tomorrow. He's co-hosting. I invited him to co-host with us tomorrow. So tune in for Mike Appel. Uh, t- Tim Appel. Uh, but so many things. Tom Appel. I got really excited. I saw a text screen with someone texting from Mike. Uh, I won tickets last week. Uh, I guess for the thing. Uh, they haven't received tickets. Uh, we'll figure that out. You got, yeah. All right. We've got it. Bye, everyone. Devil's Advocates next. Uh, Thank you, Lady B. Have a great night.